0: Well, today we continue our series through the book of Hebrews. And if you've read the book of Hebrews, you might find it a bit intimidating. There's, there's a lot packed in there. But the basic message is pretty simple. Jesus has come and everything is better. Because he is truly better than everything that has come before Remember, this letter was originally written to a group of Christians from a predominantly uh, Jewish background. And Judaism was officially tolerated by the Roman Empire, but Christianity w- wasn't. And, and so there would have been this constant temptation for the Jewish Christians in particular to, to de-emphasize or downplay or, or to even deny the distinctively Christian features of their faith. But the message of Hebrews is that with the coming of Christ, we've passed the point of no return. When it comes to the gospel, there's no going back. Jesus is the culmination of all of God's promises. He is our only hope, and and so to follow him is worth the loss of of social and political status. Last week, Drew introduced the book and unpacked the first few verses of chapter one, which which are a pretty breathtaking meditation on the supremacy of Christ. And, and where the author immediately applies that is to Christ's status above the angels. And he makes the case that Jesus is better than angels with some of what we see in the first few verses, but then he'll also be heavily quoting the Old Testament, which we'll get to. So we'll be doing a couple things as we go along. First, we need to answer the question, what are angels? And why, um, why does the author feel the need to make the case that Jesus is better than them? But we'll also be pausing throughout to ask this very sophisticated question, so what? Uh, and and not, not so what, like who cares? But so what, what, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for, for my family and my community, for all of life, which is really an important question as we, as we read and, and study the Bible, right? The, these, these massive truth claims are made and we should know that we have the freedom to ask, so what? But, uh, because that's how we learn to apply everything that is good and true and beautiful to all of life. And as the author of Hebrews wants to stress, everything that is good, true, and beautiful is because of Christ. So let's read the first four verses, again, just to orient ourselves correctly. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So if the author's uh, thesis statement for this chapter is, is Jesus is better than angels, then we need to ask the fair question, what are angels? There's a lot of ways to answer that question. According to the Bible, they are real, living, supernatural beings. Both the Hebrew and Greek words for angel literally means messenger. And we see them in that role throughout the Bible. Angels speak on behalf of God to everyone from from Abraham to Moses to Mary to Paul. We see angels raising up deliverers and, and intervening and judging and guiding God's people. Angels are liturgical beings. They are ministering spirits who keep the order of continual worship uh, around the throne of God as we see in places like Isaiah and Revelation. They were even present when God laid the foundations of the earth as divine spectators and worshipers. They were singing. Those are all good angels, but... But there are bad angels as well, fallen angels who have ceased to worship God. The Bible calls them demons. And in, in case you're wondering, yes, we're one of those weird churches that believes the whole Bible. So when it says that there are demons and they do stuff, then we go, well, there's demons and they do stuff. In the book of Daniel, we get a glimpse with the cosmic curtain pulled back and see demons directing the affairs of people, especially pagan empires and kingdoms. Demons have been masquerading as gods and meddling in human affairs as early as the Garden of Eden. And even Jesus had his fair share of interactions with demons during his earthly ministry. But all that to say, angels are are strange and awesome and, and terrifying and even glorious beings, but they're not Jesus. They send the message, but they are not the message. They, they accompany the Messiah, but they are not the deliverers. They, they were present for creation, but they're not the creators. And the author of Hebrews takes these verses to lay this out because angel worship was a reality. So some Jews specifically venerated angels just based on their role in the giving of the law in the Old Testament, they, and they gave angels undue regard, and, and that's a whole rabbit trail we don't have time for, but just know that it was something that was happening. Before we move on in the chapter, I want, I want to pause and ask, so what? And, and this one is actually more along the lines of who cares, but the rest won't be, um, Angels were worshipped thousands of years ago. So what? And that's fair because you probably are not tempted to worship angels. And and so it's hard to see any of this as relevant. Um, In reality, if we were to actually see an angel in its glory, we would probably be like John and fall down and worship. But raise of hands, who woke up this morning and had to ask a God for help to not worship angels? Right? So two quick things. One, just because we might not be tempted, we, we shouldn't be so naive as to think nobody today is, right? The, the new age, if you're familiar at all with all of that, that it, it is angel worship. It, it's demon worship. If you hear someone say, and I'm sure you've said, uh, I, I'm just a, a very spiritual person. I'm just into spirituality. D- don't think that that's not real, Paul warns us that demons are presenting themselves as angels of light. But it's just light and life and goodness and energy. And it's leading people away from Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. They are one and the same. Their theology is built around this idea. So so let's not be too cavalier about it. And, And two... The same arguments for Jesus' supremacy over angels apply to any other thing that you might be tempted to exalt over him, which is sadly too easy for us. And might I suggest that the most likely being for you to exalt over him is you. But as we go on, keep in mind that if Jesus is better than angels, then he's certainly better than anyone or anything that we try to exalt into that position. So with all that, let's look at how the author of Hebrews proves his case. We can see three reasons in this first chapter that Christ is better than the angels. Jesus is better than angels because he is the divine prophet, because he is the divine priest, and because he is the divine king. So let's look at how Jesus is better than angels because he is the divine prophet. Though I already alluded to this earlier, but Jesus is better than God's angelic messengers because he is both the God who sends the messengers and he is the very substance of that message. Drew showed us last week from the first two verses that Jesus is God's final, perfect, superior speech. Or we can say that Jesus is the final and perfect prophet of God. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Angels are God's messengers, but Jesus is the message of God. So what? What does that mean for us. And remember, if Jesus is better than angels, he's certainly better than anything or anyone that we would exalt into that position. So what does Jesus as the divine prophet mean for us? Well, it means that you don't have to be. You don't have to look within yourself to find out what God says. Your, your heart and your emotions and words and self-talk don't have prophetic authority. You know, just finding your own truth or letting your emotions guide you. These thoughts and sayings and and ways of life don't have prophetic authority. Jesus is the final, full, perfect prophet of God with absolute prophetic authority. You don't need to be or find your own truth. The truth already exists and he is God's perfect word. For all of creation, including you. So when he calls you blessed and cleansed and known and saved, believe that. We can also see that Jesus is better than angels because he is the divine priest. This is another theme that gets unfolded later in the letter, but it's introduced here in verse three. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So the job of the high priest was to make purification for the sins of Israel by sacrificial offerings to God. So the author of Hebrews here is saying that the supremacy of Jesus is proven in his priestly work on the cross where, where he was both priest and lamb taking away the sins of the world with his shed blood and Jesus is the final high priest the Levitical priesthood is done this makes Jesus better than angels because an angel can't forgive your sins an angel can't die for you. An angel doesn't have blood to shed for you. So again, we ask, so what? Jesus is greater than angels because he is the great high priest who has taken away our sins. So what? What does that mean for us? It means that we don't need to hide our sin We don't need to work off our debt. You can stop punishing yourself for what he's already paid for. We need a high priest. We need someone to stand between us and God and make peace. And and, and the good news is that if we humble ourselves and confess our sins and are cleansed through Jesus, we can have peace with God. And ourselves. And our neighbors. Some of you are trying to fix things by doing everything but that. It feels easier to forget the sin than to confess it and be clean. Maybe I can do some good things and buy a clean conscience. And if that's you, I'm sure you're exhausted. Because Only Christ's blood can remove your sin and clothe you in righteousness. Jesus is our divine priest. And when he sat down at the right hand of the father, having finished his work of priestly atonement, he sat down on a throne to rule as king. Jesus is better than the angels because he is the divine king. And this is a major undercurrent of the book of Hebrews. And here in this chapter alone, the author quotes seven Old Testament passages. And five of those shows that Christ will rule as king over all the earth, which is his inheritance. God has promised the whole earth to his son. And this is really where the author gets into into the proof of what he's laying out, right? Verse one through four, specifically verse four being that thesis statement of the supremacy of Christ, even over the angels, uh, will be proven by the words of scripture here. So let's briefly look at these passages, starting with verse five. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Well, the short answer is none. God never said that to any of the angels. But he says that of Jesus. This is from Psalm 2 that we heard in our readings. Verse 7, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And this begetting of the son here in Psalm 2 is not the the eternal begetting of Jesus we see in John's gospel. But it's the begetting from the dead that Paul speaks about in Colossians 1. That Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Which is pretty cool because that means that Psalm 2, written hundreds of years before Christ, spoke of his resurrection. So Jesus is the only begotten son of God from the dead. And what's the result? Psalm Psalm 2 goes on to say in the next verse, Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Global inheritance is the result. Christ will rule over the nations. Also in verse five, to which of the angels did God ever say, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Again, the answer is none. This is referring to God's promise to David that we also heard in our readings that that his offspring would reign forever. So Jesus is not just king. He he is the Davidic king who fulfills all of God's promises to David. Verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. This is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 32. As the Davidic king, Jesus is the recipient of, of angelic worship, which clearly makes him superior to angels. Angels tell men to worship God, but God tells angels to worship the son. So he is better than the angels who worship around the throne because he's the one seated on that throne. Verse seven quotes Psalm 104 to remind us what angels are. They are winds and flames of fire. His ministers doing doing Christ's bidding, bringing him glory and and serving us as verse 14 says. And then verse eight and on. The author here quoting Psalm 45 and 102 really drives home the supreme deity of Christ. Verse eight, but of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And then quoting Psalm 102, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. Jesus is not just king. He's not just a king from the line of David. He is the divine king. He is the creator king, his He perfectly rules from his throne forever. His rule is marked by the oil of gladness. His rule has no end. And then finally, verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? And obviously the answer is again, none. This is from Psalm 110, which is the most quoted psalm in the Bible. And and what the psalmist and the author of Hebrews are saying is that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high and ruling until every enemy, including death, is under his feet. So we can appropriately ask again, so what? Jesus is king. So what then? Well, if Jesus is king, then we should look to his rule and reign everywhere and act accordingly. If you've been here for any amount of time, you're probably not getting a Jesus is my bestie vibe. Um, At least I hope not. It's not what we're going for. Uh, you probably notice that we're not singing songs about, uh, you know, Jesus just being the—he's just the king of my heart, and it's just me and Jesus and our relationship, and it feels so good. And sometimes you might not even be able to tell if I'm talking about Jesus or my crush. Yes, Jesus is the king of your heart. And may he be king of every part of your body, mind, and soul. May you allow him to rule over every corner of your life. But may we also look out into the world and declare he is king there. And he is king there and there already. It might not always feel like it, but that doesn't make it any less true. We have this promised hope. Jesus is king over HISD. He is king over the next presidential election. He is king over Putin. He is king over these mysterious flying objects that keep showing up. And because Jesus is the cosmic ruling king now, we shouldn't be afraid or intimidated to hold fast to him living in obedience and and pursuing the tasks that our good father has given us. Things like the great commission that Jesus gave that we heard in our gospel reading. Loving and serving and discipling our, our families and our neighbors and our city, even the nations into Christ's kingdom is not an impossible task. In fact, failure is impossible. Hasn't God said he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet? Hasn't God said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Psalm 2 applies all this. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jesus is better than the angels or anyone or anything that we might elevate because he is our great prophet, priest, and king ruling forever. So what? So take refuge in him, for all who do are safe and are called blessed. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and how in it time and time again you are proven to be our faithful and true prophet, priest, and king. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would nourish and fill us so that we would go boldly into a world that that feels so uncertain while holding on to the truth that King Jesus reigns now and forever. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.